Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster, a monster exploration podcast where we take a look at monsters from their folkloric origins to their current pop culture incarnations. I'm your host for this episode, Cameron. Again, hi everyone, it's me. Uh, and I'm joined today by Dave. Uh, unfortunately, Matt and Leonard both can't make it to this episode. One of them might burst in halfway through, but seems unlikely at the moment. <laughs> Dave, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It's um, It's been a week, as, as always. As but, always. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm uh, aside from minusing the the two other co-hosts, uh, we we are yeah. we are here and ready to tackle more of the cabinet of curiosities. And uh, I was really I'm looking forward to these each week because it's like, oh, mm. these are completely different than the other ones. Yep, yep, they are all very much their own thing, which is the appeal of the show, I think, because you know it, it's a literal cabinet of curiosities. There's always something a little different. Which is fun. Um, yeah, uh, I myself am doing fine. It's been a week, but it's going to be more of a week next week. So I'm reveling in this moment. I'll take what I can here. <laughs> uh, so today, as uh, as mentioned, we're going to continue the cabinet uh, with episodes three and four, the autopsy and the outside. This. This is probably my favorite pair uh, so far. I still haven't watched the last couple episodes, so maybe one of those will supersede for me. Uh, but I don't think anything's going to top the autopsy for me personally. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to talk about it. <clears throat> so, let's start off with episode three, The Autopsy. Uh, this episode is directed by David Pryor. Uh, the teleplay... Uh, based on a teleplay and a short story, the teleplay by David S. Goye, and uh, the short story itself by Michael Shea. Yeah, Shea. 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 I, yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I want to so David Pryor, I think, who is who directed um, The Empty Man. Okay. I think. Me. I should have had that pulled up. I did not. Quick double check. <laughs> so many tabs. So many tabs. Uh, yes, he directed <laughs> The Empty Man. Excellent. Which is on the to-do list of things to yes. do. Yes. Uh, yeah, and look, he's a good director, I can tell. Just from this episode, I don't know if I've watched anything else of his, because uh, I'm pretty sure I haven't watched The Empty Man. Uh, but yeah, this, this was an excellent episode of uh, horror TV. And uh, let's dive in. Uh, we start out... Uh, with a, a pretty mundane uh, scene of coal miners going about their work, um, getting into a mine shaft, take the elevator down deep into the mine, uh, and as they're doing that, a man jumps on top of the elevator, uh, carrying a strange orb. Uh, when the elevator stops, jumps out, runs down to the tunnel, throws the orb, which starts beeping, uh, levitate and then begins levitating the rock around it, and then it violently explodes. Uh, <laughs> get get a very uh, in-media res action intro uh, out of it. Um, 
we don't get many clues from here. We barely get uh, a clear look at anyone apart from a couple of the men. Uh, and then we cut to uh, everyone's favorite uh, composer, F. Murray Abraham, uh, known for his role as Salieri in Amadeus, uh, traveling out to this town. Uh, he's playing Dr. Carl Winters, uh, an autopsy specialist, and he's going to go <laughs> perform some autopsies on the uh, victim of this particular incident. He's been asked by his close friend, Sheriff Nate Craven, played by Glenn Turman, uh, to do this himself. He wants to do it right uh, because the mining company is going to refuse victim compensation to the families on account of um, this This was not an accident usual for the workplace. This was a deliberate act. So clearly the mining company is not at fault uh, and don't need to pay any compensation or back pay or insurance or anything. Why Why would they ever have to do that? Um, <laughs> obviously, not great for the town, and the sheriff himself is more on the side of having Carl in to look into this and see if we can figure out a way to get compensation for the families. Uh, and thus, we set off on our journey. Uh, there are a number of bodies. There's so many that they've set up an impromptu morgue in a factory, uh, using I believe a meat packing cooler to hold the hold the corpses, which is uh, ominous. And uh, once again, this has the the cabinet of curiosities touch of beautiful set design, really good atmosphere. Um, it is raining, it's gloomy. Uh, this this all this entire story sort of takes place over the course of a single night. Um, and uh they really play into that uh Carl Winters himself is a bit withdrawn, a bit quiet. Um and we soon learn as they're they're setting on the way to see the bodies that uh he's dying of stomach cancer. Uh this'll probably be his last job. He's been given, you know, the, the ultimatum of about six months tots, which is never a good sign. Um <clears throat> And so he's going to do this this one last job and then go enjoy his uh his twilight few months uh, after an illustrious career in well it's not really an industry in the field uh, <laughs> um, so the uh the the bodies are mostly a bunch of miners and then also one other man Joe Allen who was the apparent cause of the incident. Uh, the one in our earlier shot we saw carrying the orb. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, we begin the autopsies. Now, this is sort of an area of interest for me because I did do forensic science uh, for a couple of years at university. And I, I got to say, for the time period, which I believe this is in like the, the 80s, uh, yeah. this is, yeah, this is really accurate. Um, I mean, a lot of stuff still carries over to modern day autopsy proceedings as well. Like the the basic cuts and things all remain mostly the same. Uh, but it is it is a pretty good, uh, albeit improvised because they don't have a proper morgue set up. Is a pretty good representation of the craft. Uh, and he is fully recording this whole thing. He has a big tape deck um, with a massive spool of cassette. 
uh, just recording his thoughts as, um, as, as he goes, which is the easiest way to be able to look back over and make a written report because you don't want to be writing stuff down in the middle of an autopsy because you've got to keep taking gloves off and putting gloves back on, etc. It's a, it's a real mess, uh, to say the least. Um, <clears throat> uh, and yeah, as, uh, as he begins these autopsies, uh, we sort of get a little prior information about what had been going on. Uh, the sheriff had had a few people go missing. They'd found some bodies out in the woods, um, and sort of stuffed in a bag lodged in the fork of a tree. Uh, that had been completely drained of blood. And uh, when they assigned a couple of uh, concerned citizens, I guess, who were part of the search efforts out there, to watch over the bodies, they came back a few hours later. Those people were also gone and missing. Uh, Sort of a rash of disappearances uh, with only a few bodies to show for it. And uh, it all tracked down to this one man uh, under the name of Joe Allen, uh, who had been staying in a nearby town and uh, was actually identified as a different man, uh, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, unfortunately, um, who had gone missing several months prior, had turned up again under the name Joe Allen and started working in the local mine. Uh, investigating this, uh, Sheriff Nate went Beat down, uh, beat down Joe Allen's door, inspected his lodgings, and found a weird furry ball dotted with lights that smelled really weird. Uh, took it in as evidence. Joe Allen wasn't there, he was at work, so they went down to the mine, called him out, um, and Joe Allen immediately ran to the police car, grabbed that weird fuzzy orb, jumped down the mine shaft, and then the mine shaft blew up. Uh, that's, that's the, uh, entirety of what they know is going on uh and as carl winters is performing these autopsies we get a lot of his personal sort of thinking through the case as it stands uh and he sort of comes to the conclusion that joe allen's goal wasn't to escape it was probably uh to destroy the object itself uh, and then he just botched the escaping part of that. Um, but then the autopsies start getting a little more interesting as we get to the two men who were directly under Joe Allen's body. Uh, both of these bodies are completely drained of blood with a small, sharp puncture mark at the bottom of the sternum. And uh, it appears that they had been alive quite a bit longer than the other bodies so far. Uh, they hadn't been immediately crushed to death. They hadn't immediately suffocated. And uh, this sort of mystery grows. Uh, and pardon me. Uh, there's this. This is sort of the really good point where um, Carl Winter's instincts uh, turn onto full, and we get a, a really great shot of like literally the hairs rising on the back of his neck. Uh, that's that sort of zoom in of something's really, really wrong. You see him freeze up and look towards the body storage and, uh, and, uh, in there, Joe Allen has begun to wake up because he's not dead. 
mostly. Um, <laughs> he's only he's only mostly alive, means only slightly dead. Um, <clears throat> and uh, he literally he knocks Carl Winters out, straps him down on the on the operating table, and begins explaining what's going on. Uh, Joe Allen is not Joe Allen. Joe Allen is an alien living inside this other man's body under the assumed identity of Joe Allen. Uh, <clears throat> he is a parasitic organism that feeds off, like, uh, uh, physical organic matter. Like, they, they literally, they eat blood and other tissue uh, and things like that. Uh, but they are hedonistic is kind of the best term for it. Yeah, well, they're sustained not by the physical mm. nourishment, um, but more by the emotional yeah. stimulus, like ec- extra stimulus they get. Um, they're, they're like thrill seekers, but the thrill yeah, is the torture of the human body. Yeah, and more of the <laughs> mind, like the psyche. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, it's the mind that they're trying. They 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 entrap and then um, subject to like whatever Tom. they can. Mm. Mm. Not a great time. Um, no. no, and uh, part of this is because of their own physiology. Like they start out as these very small. They're, they're sort of octopus-like. They're a bunch of tendrils with a, like a little brain bulb, basically. Uh, that is, that has been, you know, that has, I should say, has especially evolved to slip inside the bodies of other living things. But they are so specialized that they have no senses of their own. Like, they, they have to fully integrate into a host creature's nervous system to feel anything. And then they sort of, yeah, like I said, they, they feed off the sensations and particularly the mental emotions experienced by their their prey. This is not a symbiotic relationship. Um, no, it's, it's a it's a fully parasitic one. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they they can keep the host alive, but if the rest of them are like the one in this particular story, they usually don't. Um, because uh, well, there's a few factors. First off, the explosion was indeed to destroy the orb, which was his ship. Uh, Joe Allen's former self had gone out hiking to watch a meteor shower and a meteor had landed too close. Turned out to be this little ship that he'd taken home. Um, and then he'd gotten uh, body jacked by the parasite. And it is of the utmost priority that if they are discovered, uh, they destroy their, their ship because it is a, a law, an unspoken rule amongst their people that humans can't discover them like uh it's it's any um organism that they're preying on mm, like they don't want to be discovered um because that prevents them from like propagating yes yeah and that like that is that is the thing is like if you understand a thing it becomes Sometimes more horrific, sometimes less horrific, but it becomes something you can deal with. You can defend against it. or That you can defend against, yeah. Um, And this is probably the best part of the episode for me where uh, Joe Allen, the alien, is talking about this because he's doing 
exactly what he's not meant to because he's sure he has control of the situation, as in he has uh, Carl Winters literally fully strapped. He's doing a Bond villain to the table. He's doing a Bond villain thing, but uh, he's he's literally laying out all the information needed to defeat him. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, and the 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 real answer is you know like yeah. It, you guys don't tell cattle about your daily lives or how you kill them. Why would we do the same to you effectively? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's uh, hubris and yeah. the, these particular aliens are, um, they're so, they're like egomaniacal. They really are. Centric, yeah. I guess they just, yeah. they, they think of themselves as so far above, not just humans, but like anything else. Like mm. anything with a nervous system, they're like, no, we evolved specifically to just use you all as puppets. Yeah, yeah, we are the greater power because we like completely we've controlled control kings you. and yeah. empires and all kinds mm. of that, yeah of planets across the, the cosmos. Yeah. yeah, and uh he implies they've been walking among humans for centuries as well. Like this is not an uncommon occurrence for them to come feed specifically on Earth as well, uh, which uh, yeah, probably explains some things. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's sort of uh, lay, laying it all out, and uh, we get the obvious counterpoint from Carl Winters, which is you've stolen everything you ever have. You literally have nothing individually as a species. Like, physically, you have no senses, you have no way to meaningfully interact with the world apart from stealing the body of another being. Uh, and uh, as a response, the uh, the alien gets really nasty about it and says, uh, hey, we can smell your cancer. That stuff's delicious. Um, with potentially the, the implication that uh, as as they do, like, consume some physical matter to maintain themselves, uh, a recurring tumor is probably a really good food source for them to like draw from while still pro- prolonging the life of the host uh, for their for their torment. Um, and then uh, goes on to talk about how once they're in his body, uh, they're going to have uh, well his sheriff friends going to come along soon, and then they're going to kill him and uh, eat him. Uh, not in that order. They're going to eat him first and keep him alive as long as possible. And uh, while they're doing that, they're going to use Carl's body to have, uh, I believe to quote, uh, shivering orgasms <laughs> from the torment they are inflicting. The, the... <sighs> like, as a philosophy, I think hedonism is great. This is the, this is the hedonism to excess, whereas like, I want to feel every sensation, inflict every torment kind of thing it it gets off on this it's not just a food thing to them it's that control that dominance that you were talking about earlier um they're they're a nasty lot <laughs> at, at least by the confession of this one member of their species um yeah, these are the other uh travelers to the furthest dimensions of yeah sensation. yeah they're, they're, they're the internal hellraiser um yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and um, the reason he has to transfer over to the body, over to Carl's body, he says, because they they can sustain their host without killing them, uh, but he knew he would be trapped for a long time in that mine shaft before the bodies were pulled out, and so he spent 
a large portion of Joe Allen's own vitality to keep the two men buried under him alive long enough and conscious to understand what was happening to them as he, like, ate them out from the inside. Uh, and doing that sapped Joe Allen's body to the point where a new body is needed. Uh, and of course, Carl Winters is an excellent host because he's always around the dead and dying uh, as a medical doctor who performs autopsies. Um, so an easy source of regular, uh, the, the physical nutrition they need, as well as access to people in states of torment who no one will question if they passed away overnight and stuff like that. Uh, which is, again, uh, pretty nasty. And then, uh, of course, reveals the worst part, which is the, the original host is still conscious and essentially viewing the proceedings of their body at all times. Uh, Joe Allen is still in there with him, uh, just stuck watching. Um, but uh, we've got to make it look like Joe Allen underwent an autopsy, and we've got to get into that new body. So. Down goes Joe Allen on a stretcher next to the table that Carl Winters is strapped on. Um, has one hand free so that he can perform the incision in his own flesh, uh, which will both take the take the point of an autopsy uh, sort of injury and also allow the parasite to exit the body uh, and get over to Carl Winter's body to get itself in because uh, it used to be able to go through like the nose but now it requires uh, a bit more of an incision to be able to enter it, yeah and I don't know um, if the film covered it but uh, in the book or in the short story mm. the uh, the alien uh, talks about its life like life cycle mm. and it's like we start out as our um, uh, lar our larval form is mm. like the size of like a fingernail or it's very small. Yeah, sleek. Um, and then in uh, like three weeks or three days or something, or a couple weeks, like we become, we go through three instars to get to our um, imago, like final form. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this particular alien just due to circumstance or to Eddie Sykes, who's the Joe mm. Allen body. Yeah. Um, that was him. Thank you. <laughs> uh, he, he grown to full size in like three days. Wow. So he's like, okay. I have to transfer. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm too big. Cause they're, they're sort of like a, a massive dendritic cells. Like yeah. Nerve, nerve, nerve mesh. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's all they are. They're nerve with just enough muscle to move into a body. And then get themselves in the in the nervous system that they don't have anything else built into them. <laughs> no, other than like the super proboscis thing. Yeah, yeah, little spike, really strong, nasty little spike. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's grown too large to transfer by uh, normal means. So he got to got to cut his way in, as it were. Um. Did he? Does the alien in this one go over um, Eddie Sykes like what? Who this man was? Because he's a weird dude in the book. Uh, I don't think he said too much about who Eddie was in particular. No, please. He's um, so in the in the book. Um, Eddie is like a polyglot. I think that's the right word. 
um, and is versed in like multiple languages and was in the process of translating um, uh, Herodotus or something. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, yeah, this guy was not just a dude that works in a mine. No, no. Um, and it's like that's why it's so interesting having him tra- like having him trapped in here because I'm 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 through him I'm learning mm. far more far quicker about like humanity. Yeah, yeah. Got like the all the um, social and humanities sciences brain. Yeah, yeah, he's like, that's why I'm, I'm real excited to get in to pick your brain, doctor. <laughs> yeah, get all the medical knowledge. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, un- understand what you eat even more than you already do. Or um, even more than the people that you're eating. Yeah, yeah. Like th- that's, uh, I think that's uh, the other, the, the scarier part mm. is like, these are weird sort of savant, like, Hannibal Lecter as a alien from Puppet Masters. Mm. Yeah. Like it's weird. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes off on like monologues in the in the book. Like very well, like ridiculously well worded. Yeah. Like super intelligent. Oh yeah. It 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 talks real smart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, it, it makes the incisions to let itself out, uh, and I believe an incision to let itself in uh, on Dr. Winters, uh, and then begins to exit Eddie Sykes, uh, the former Joe Allen, who was himself the former Eddie Sykes. Uh, but as, as it leaves the body, uh, Sykes, his arm uh, that was wielding the scalpel flops uh very specifically directly over to within reach of um Carl and uh the the trap as it were is sprung uh the creature emerges and it looks real gross uh it is it looks like the 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 inside of a cross section of the brain like one of those particular glands Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a writhing mass of tentacles. Again, a, a lot of this is practical. Again, all the bodies and stuff were practical effects. So they, a really good through line on that so far uh, in Cabinet. And um, it's just, it's writhing and sticky and very obviously blind. Uh, like it is slow and deliberate in its movements. It knows the direction it has to go and roughly how far. Uh, but it can't even really feel. Uh, it doesn't really have a sense of touch either at that point, so it's just get it's getting it's getting to where it's going as uh, as carefully as it can, uh, which means there is a moment uh, in which Carl Winters can act. He takes that scalpel, uh, he does a small, uh, not super deep incision on his own neck, uh, and then uses uh, his hand to begin writing across his chest uh, something. Uh, and then uh, in sort of the, the epicenter of horrors, this thing is sort of seated on his stomach and begins to wind its way into his body through the cut it made on him. Uh, he takes the scalpel and jams it into his own ears and then jams it into his own eyes. And uh, the the whole scene goes dark. 
and then we get to see what the parasite sees. Uh, it is a beautiful sort of nebula style map of the human mind. Like the the effect, the uh, it's it's all CGI, obviously, but this feels accurate to like a psychoscape from from a scientific view, if that makes sense. Like it's a web of what are clearly like neurons with proteins walking along them and flashes of light as uh, electrochemical messages and things. Uh, and it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Uh, and it's in this space that we get sort of the, the final hurrah of the, uh, of Carl Winters. He, the parasite communicates to him. It's opened up its eighth, his eighth cranial nerve and integrated itself with that. Uh, so that they can speak together. And then it becomes very quickly confused because it can't see or hear, which it should be able to see or hear now that it's in his nervous system. And <laughs> Carl is just, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, there's been a bit of vandalism. Um, <laughs> uh, someone's put out the lights, turned down the volume, uh, and also we've, the plumbing has sprung a rather fatal leak. Um, so he's, he's essentially damaged his body to make sure the parasite itself retains its senselessness, uh, and also that the body won't last more than a couple minutes, uh, with it in him. And, uh, yeah, this, this is sort of that last victory. Like, you told me everything about yourself because you thought you were in this power, powerful position that I couldn't fight back against. And I used that exact information to kill you. But the thing you really forgot was that Eddie Sykes was still in there and knew exactly what you were doing and could see through his own eyes. Uh, and so he handed me the knife. Um, now, we're both going to die, but the thing that you definitely, definitely forgot uh, was I had the cassette player recording through our entire conversation, and my friend's going to be here in about five minutes to drop off breakfast. Um, to to which you know the parasite itself is uh obviously incredibly panicked. Uh, and then we get we get the scene of um the sheriff Nate coming in with a couple of cups of coffee and I think some bagels or something. <laughs> Um, and it's, again, it's that creepy abandoned factory style, uh, turned into a morgue thing, walks in and sees two dead bodies lying next to each other. Um, and, uh, across Carl Winter's chest written in blood is burn me, play the tape. Uh, and that is the end of the autopsy. It is such a well-contained story. Like within itself, like this feels like the perfect, perfect doesn't need an expansion on like that universe or those creatures or anything. It is like a really fantastic bite sized tale of horror and fighting back against the unknowable by making itself become known. Um, I, I loved it. And, um, although I haven't read the short story, uh, or the, um, webcomic you said there was of it. This is just the short story, yeah. It's just the short story. I haven't read the short story, but I would really love to read that because it sounds like 
it, it'd be this, but a short story, so it'd be excellent. Uh, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's almost a one to one translation. There's very little, I think. Um, maybe some details mm. are cha- so. One example would be the message is different. Yeah, um, okay. they don't. He doesn't. I don't think he has a recording device. Uh, this. Um, yeah, but he he wrote the message from his uh, um, th- a superior thyroid vein when he cut his neck. Yes, um, he took that blood and he was like writing on the gurney. Ah, uh, yeah, and he just he says alien right down, and me yeah. cut kill. I, I like mean, the burn uh, and then the read the tape. Yeah, that, that's more helpful. Yeah. And it, because then also, you get you get the whole thing like immediately, and the, you can't you can't get a mistake from that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, if we're, if we're going to be really into it, uh, the alien's still jacked into his nervous system. It'd be way worse for it to be set on fire. Um, than yeah, to uh, just be cut out. <laughs> and so I don't know. Um, in the book. Mm the doctor is facing off with um, Eddie Sykes's or uh, Alan's body. Um, yeah. When, when, cause it's just talking to him. Just yeah. Yeah. Talking to him. And he, the whole time he has like, I have, he has his scalpel and he's like trying to ready it. Cause he, he's like, this is messed like, up. I have to fight it <laughs> like, yeah. because obviously this thing is, it's a, it's a threat mm. to like everything. Yeah. Particularly me at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's it's talking to him and he's like about to make his move um but mm. it that thing just shoots its little siphon out and it like uh, knocks him out like okay. it's him in the yeah. neck or something yeah cuz it he he he's swing he's about to go stab it with the scalpel and then he he wakes up and he's like mm. uh he's on the gurney like what yeah and it I it, think, it think paralyzed him with some yeah. uh, some sort of toxin or something Mm. And he's can only move like he can talk, he can move his neck a little bit and then his arm and then everything else is just completely he has no senses. Or it, mm. It's just numb. So that makes it real easy when he actually starts to like cut and uh, do everything. He's like, yeah. I can't feel any of this at all. None of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He definitely feels it in this. Um, yeah. <laughs> God, that, that, that scalpel ear shot is real nasty. Um, oh yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it, yeah. it's it's doesn't shy away from it in the book. No, um, I think the other thing is the doctor. You get a lot of because the whole thing is from his point of view. Yeah, so you're getting all of his internal monologue, and it's it's just oh. it's very witty, but it's like mm. it's all gallows humor. Yeah, um, yeah, because he's he's coming to terms with like his not only mm. is he on in years, but you know he's like, well, I have he's I have stomach cancer, dying. and I am going yeah. to die. But I yeah. t- traffic in death, so it's this is just silly. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> you get you get that characterization, but it's definitely not as in depth as having his full internal monologue. I think there there's some real good there's some real good line like the um just the writing in this is is mm. is fantastic, and I need to read the rest of this because it's in a it's in a giant collection. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, this is um. It's it's by Michael Shea and it's mm. a right now um the original collection uh was hold up um Polyphemus is yes. the collection it came out in. 
and that was released in 1987 um, uh, by Arkham House. Mm. The the new version that you're able to get um, digitally, like on Kindle, is the mm. Autopsy Best Weird Stories of Michael Shea. Um, mm. And this came out in tandem with the Cabinet of Curiosities release. Mm. So that like okay. brought this back to the fore. Yeah. Which is which is great. Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's just some really good imagery uh, when you mentioned that part where he gets the hairs on his neck. So mm. in the in the book, uh, that moment, he's um, he just hears a voice saying like, "Get out of here! Like you got you mm. have to go." Yeah, yeah. Like get out, and he 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 starts to leave. He's like, uh, you know, he's just agitated. And yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I was like, oh no, I'm just being silly. And then he calms himself back down. Mm. And then he scares himself again because he's like looking and he sees um, a shadow or not a shadow. He sees like this. It's like I turned and looked um, and I could see uh, um, in the window there was a this this tall, gaunt figure staring at me and. Um, uh, and he's like, and I, I just, okay, I nodded, I nodded to myself, and I, okay, try to pull myself back together, and then I, mm. I walked over and sat down next to him, mm. and then when I raised my cup of coffee, he raised, it, you know, because this is his reflection, but it, it like yeah. plays it off like yeah. it's another entity, like he scared himself, yeah, yeah. So it, it's yeah, doing it's, that, and it's really good. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that adapted to the filmography here as well. Um, cinematography, filmography. Um, yeah, they, they they throw in lots of little bits of that. Um, yeah, it sounds like it's a really, really faithful. Like mm. the, the, the thing is, this isn't. It's a fifty-page long story. Yeah, yeah. So a it's decent, like, it it's, but it's not short, short, but it's really dense as far as like they they spend a lot of time with mm. Doctor Winters, like like talking to himself. Yeah. Um, and, and you yeah. get a really good sense of his um, his friendship with the uh, the sheriff. They mm. spend like the, the opening chunk of it. So in the the story, it's him. It opens with him getting to the the town and going to the sheriff's mm. office. Um, and then there, he's just being brought up to speed on like what the heck's going on because the sheriff's like, this is the weirdest. This is the weirdest case like I've had to deal with. Like I, we were yeah. chasing this dude, and then the mine exploded. Now I got a bunch of dead miners, and mm. now this is like technically like fifteen missing people. Like this is so much out of my league yeah. of this small little town. I have me and a deputy. We have like two cop cars, and we've been trying to like pr- make rounds every night to protect people from. Mm. We don't know who's kidnapping people. Like what's going on. Yeah, we found yeah. a bag, a body in a tree, and my my best deputy is like a Vietnam veteran. And he saw like some crazy shit out out in yeah. the jungle, and he opened that bag and was just like puking everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> he's like the thing he saw in there was just too was was too far beyond like even for him. So yeah. it's um, the writing is just like on point. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it does sound like it uh, ended up being very faithfully translated, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a good story. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's the autopsy. So what's episode four bring to episode us? Episode 
four is The Outside, uh, directed by Anna Lily Amirpour. Amirpour. Um, and this one is based on a webcomic by Emily Carroll, uh, which I believe you read the webcomic. Uh, yes, and it is a webcomic entitled Some Other Animals Meet. Ah. I believe it was published in 2016. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, so this one is also very good. It, it sort of almost feels like a little bit of a, a riff on the stuff, at least with a couple of the themes, uh, which is fun because I love the stuff. We covered it a couple years back? Three years back? A while ago? Um, uh, yeah. It's been a minute. <laughs> it's been it's been a little while. Um, but yeah, uh, the the outside focuses, it is the tale of uh, Stacy, uh, who is played by uh, Kate Mikuchi. I'm going to assume I said that right. Um, <laughs> who is sort of a bit of a not a social outcast, it's just, you know, again, it's that sort of 80s, early 90s style where most of your social circle is just whoever you work with. And if you happen to work at, say, a bank where all the other women are these uh, sort of happen socialites and you are a slightly more down-to-earth taxidermist in your spare time, uh, you don't get along very well and uh, you feel socially excluded um you know she's she's got the she got a lazy eye and slightly buck teeth and very messy hair uh sort of the 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 traditional before after is like um oh god it's one of those it's any of those 90s to early 2000s films where like it's the uh the the ditzy girl gets the transformation glow up style look you know the the that they're fine honestly it's just they need to take a little better care of their hair and maybe dress a little differently and they be considered perfectly normal and attractive by most people or they just took off their glasses oh they just took off their glasses oh i love that one because when i take off my glasses (laughs) i can't see my eyes look i can't see and my eyes look even worse Now I'm squinting. This just went went all wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scrunching your face. I can't see. Can't see anything. Um. So she she has a lot of uh you know a lot of self image issues because she she believes the problem isn't the social circle she's stuck in. She believes the problem is herself because everyone else seems perfectly happy and wonderful, and she just feels left out and out of place. Um, she's also intensely paranoid. Uh, like she, her husband is a cop. Uh, one of again, one of the few police in this small town. Uh, and he often works night shifts. And the second she hears anything in their house, she grabs an axe, gets down to the phone, and calls the police department. Um, and he has to constantly reassure, her, like you know, we live in a wooden house. It makes noise at night in winter. Has there ever been a person in the house? She's like, no, like, there's no one in the house. And then she stays up because she can't get back to sleep because she's very paranoid about it. Which, I mean, I get, honestly, 
being home alone is uh often very confronting, especially if you don't feel like you have anyone you can fall back on. Uh, neighbors wise and stuff like that. Uh, let's see. Um, and uh, I should say her husband is uh played by Martin Starr, uh, who does a really excellent job in this. Uh, it's just sort of the the average Joe, uh, with his with his stash and his big square glasses and his slick back hair. Um. <laughs> Uh, and in in particular, he is really the the driving force for good here. In that, uh, he genuinely loves her and wants her to be happy, but wants her to understand that she's there's there's nothing wrong with her. He loves her because she's the way she is. You know, he, you know, she she called out, "I'm not nothing like all the other women at the bank." Like, thank God you aren't. And yeah, you know, you want to have a relationship with someone. Uh, interesting, someone who you get along with, and I have a feeling he probably wouldn't get along very well with uh, any of those women. Um, but you know, it's it's late in the year. The work Christmas party's coming up, and they're doing a secret Santa. And uh, she pulls Gina, who is like the the, the ringleader of this social circle, uh, and and the host of this of the Christmas party. And uh, so she gets really motivated she's going to make a make a big splash and really fit in and give a really great gift so she goes out and she shoots the duck uh, and she skins that duck and taxidermies that duck and um she is incredibly good at this these are great taxidermies um they're all around her house as well like the the basement has like a wolf in a corner and stuff like that um, there's there's an owl in the bathroom just watching you in the shower. Um, <laughs> but this duck is really beautifully done, mounted on a a lovely sort of very natural looking base and everything. Um, it's the kind of gift anyone could see. And knowing that there's no tax terms in town, would go wow. Someone put a an absolute ton of care and effort into making this beautiful ornament for a home. Uh, so of course we get to the Christmas party and. Um, so that they're doing a secret Santa, but what's actually happening is that Gina has gotten everyone a gift. So even though, even though they drew names out of a hat, see who would get gifts or whom Gina just got everyone a gift. No one else got any gifts for anyone except Stacy, uh, who got a gift for Gina as the, as the host, I guess is how she tries to frame it after realizing that she wasn't actually meant to get anyone anything for the secret Santa. That's really weird. I think you would like yeah. people know that's the thing. Or maybe yeah. they did and she just didn't get that, the memo. But still Well yeah, they they, they all they all seemed to understand that that was the thing. It's like Gina will buy all the gifts, but this gift will be quote unquote from you to this person. Um Yeah, it's so weird. Um and uh the gift is everyone's favorite hot new marketable substance, it's aloe glow. As seen on TV, uh, it is a sort of a body moisturizer cream, facial moisturizer cream. Uh, it is vaguely lavender purple and has a very disturbing texture. It is, it is a cream. It appears far too like shiny and oily to be like a normal cream. Like 
a lot of condi- conditioners and moisturizers and things are a little more matte, a little more dull. They're, they're not like glossy, glossy. Um, there's something, something about it is a little off-putting. Maybe that's just me and whatever I got going on with my sensation, uh, <laughs> sensation of touch, sensation of touch, sense of touch. Good Lord. Um, uh, but everyone's got it. Uh, everyone's very excited to have it. And then Stacy pulls out an enormous red box with a dead bird inside it. Um, from their point of view, obviously like, oh, it's so, so thoughtful. Uh, I'm not sure where I tell you what, just for now, let's just put him back in the box and then put the box off to one side. Like, okay, the aloe glow, everyone. Ooh, it's so expensive. It's so exclusive. You can't find it anywhere. Uh, and everyone's having a wonderful time and applying it and getting all up in each other's business, like rubbing it onto each other and stuff. And Stacey's just sort of sitting there, happy to be a part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And her face is getting redder and her hands are getting redder. And someone goes, oh, God, I think you're allergic. Uh, and she is indeed having a pretty severe reaction. Um, her her skin gets all red and raw very quickly. Uh, so she gets an ice pack from Gina and heads home uh, to rest and hopefully uh, sweat it off, I guess. Um, and... You know, she gets home, her husband's a little shocked to see her like that. Um, but, you know, it's okay. You had an allergic reaction to a, to a skin product. Just stop using it. You'll be fine. Um, he's got to go to the shift, go to, go, go do a shift. And so she's home alone and she turns on the TV. Uh, and who does she see but da, 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 Dan Stevens, uh, playing a very slick uh, spokesperson for Aloe Glow. Um, just really talking it up. Uh, and then as the, as the spiel continues and she sits there upset that it didn't work, he begins talking directly to her through the TV, uh, saying that, you know, it hurts because it's working. Uh, it's, it's hard to describe. That. He, he is, like, bleached. I guess is the best way to describe him. He's like a white suit, very pale face, and then like ice white slicked back hair, uh, these these piercing eyes just staring out, and this very particular way of speaking. It hurts because it's working. It's sort of halfway between like German and Swedish accent. <laughs> um, and uh, as as you know, he talks to her about you know you should keep using, you should keep trying it. She's like. Yeah, yeah, maybe that maybe it just takes a while to really get going. Uh, and in the background, one of the other women presenting the Alago lifts off a lists off a whole reel of potential side effects, including hallucinations. Huh. Wonder where that's coming from. Um, <laughs> uh, in the morning, Stacy is not better because she's applied more aloe glow because you have to use the whole bottle and more besides. Uh, her skin is incredibly red and raw and like I'll be honest, a solid like third of this episode is her like living her life, hallucinating and scratching at her skin. Um her husband is obviously very upset by this because you know, if you look at it recently from from his point of view, she is hurting herself to try and fit in with her peers, which is yeah. Um 
like to, to be slightly real as you know you never want to see someone you love feeling you know excluded in that way and you definitely don't ever want to see someone you love actively harming themselves just to try and fit within a social expectation um, yeah there's a lot of commentary which, yeah. um going yeah. on yeah there's absolutely tons of commentary going on here about that and it it's why this episode is very effective for me because i've got lots of people i love who do have not just like image issues but issues like you know with how they perceive their role in society and things like that what they're doing with their life and how that doesn't match up with what they think the world expects them to do mm-hmm. and it, this it's all that kind of thing it's it's why it's affecting yeah. It it, it well, might it strikes be chord. It strike it strikes a chord. Yeah, it might be it might be about a semi sentient facial cream from beyond the fourth dimension or whatever. But it's also getting at a, a really raw nerve, especially in modern society. Like you know, you see it with people at all stages in life. As someone who works with kids, I've had a few students who've had you know uh, image issues, and sometimes you just got to tell them, yeah, it's okay. No one. First of all, first of all, no one's a supermodel when they're twelve. You're fine, kid. Um, but also, uh, got to got to tell people this is a thing. The world tries to beat you into shape, and it sucks. It just does. <laughs> um, it. I'm sure everyone's had it to some degree. You know, I don't think I'm particularly handsome or anything, but I definitely had a had a phase. Uh, when I was a little younger, where I did my best to look current, look hip. I don't know what the lingo the kids use is. Um, I don't, I uh, don't even know if the kids know what the lingo the kids use. Is. Yeah, kids probably don't. No, yeah, yeah, just just that it's it's a sort of vapidness because it's mm. expectations that are manufactured and yeah. not only are the expectations manufactured, the actual image is a manufactured thing. It's not yeah. real. Oh, it's yeah, it's totally fake. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And th- this is the the message of this entire episode. Um because yeah, it it is at the end of the day, it's uh the capitalist society doing its best to squeeze more money out of you by making you feel like you are worthless because of the way you look or whatever. Uh, and and, they have the, and they, if you just, mm. you know, for 10 payments of $19.99, you can uh, do X, Y, Z. If only it was 10 payments in 1999. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> sign, sign up for Alloglow. It's only, it's cheap. It's going cheap, Dave. It's $229.99 per bottle. Oh, there you go. And all you need for a full case is 24 bottles. And so, uh, sinking deeper into this mania, she goes and she spends about seven thousand U.S. dollars in the early '80s, which is a lot of money. You, yeah. Oh, with inflation, <laughs> that's like triple. Yeah, about about twenty to thirty grand, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, it's very expensive, but she's been convinced uh, by her her. They they say hallucination is a side effect. Part of this feels more actively malevolent um, than her just hallucinating that the ad is speaking to her. Yeah, like it, it's it, maybe something mm, more along the lines of like they live where it's actively mm, doing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the line is blurred and unclear, which is sort of the point. Um, 
Uh. <laughs> yeah, how, how much is this? How much is it? Is your subception to it? And how much is like the subliminal messaging? <laughs> like yeah. what's going on? Where, where's the line? Because mm. it's, it's both. It's, it's, yeah, it's culpability yeah, exactly. because you're in a vulnerable state. And then it's mm. companies taking advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hitting out at like, is, is it your fault? Is it their fault? Is it just sort of this malevolent market force, the free hand of the invisible it's, market, it's clenching large, around it's, it's you? Large chunks <laughs> of society at large mm. uh, exerting pressures mm. to conform. Yeah. Yeah. And to take your money. And always take your money. Yes. Um. <laughs> Uh, there, there exists an alternate universe where this episode is about a pile of uh, sentient plastic miniatures, and I'm the main character. Um, <laughs> I'm glad uh. that's not what we ended up with here, because uh, that would have hit a little too close to home for me. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the it gets to the point where that big old case uh, of it in the basement, because uh, she she gets this big case of it. Her husband talks talks to her about it again because her skin is again even worse like she has to wear oven mitts strapped onto her hand to avoid literally just bleeding everywhere um she seems to snap out of it at least for a little bit uh and then down in the basement all of the aloe glow bursts itself out of its tubes uh into a big puddle on the floor uh and then the puddle stands up uh, as this sort of seven foot tall feminine outline of a creature uh it's sort of the the personification of the of the capitalist beauty standard uh but in sticky lavender goo uh rather than uh very white flesh i guess um and uh she's taken a few days off work because of the itching uh obviously she's not really fit to go sit for eight hours at a bank. Um, and, uh, she's sort of mulling it over. The TV comes on again, convinces her that, no, she's just really got to get into it. You know, it might hurt, but does it hurt more than feeling excluded, than feeling apart from your peers, than feeling ugly? Don't you want to be beautiful? And, man, uh, it's, it's not being unsubtle here, but that's, feels like because it's a it's state where they've already sort of snared you kind of thing again um but it, it's just saying all the quiet stuff of beauty advertisements out loud basically yeah just being re- really forward about it and um down to the basement she goes and finds the seven foot tall feminine pile of goo um and sort of walks up to it uh links hands with it and starts making out with it because she's going to accept it into herself she's going to be a changed woman after this uh then her husband gets home is very understandably very upset uh that she's continued using the stuff uh and she you know she keeps saying that he's not being supportive of her and he keeps telling her it's not going to literally physically transform you into someone that you're not, and even if it did, I would never want it to, because I love you the way you are. Uh, and then, you know, uh, as a as a taxidermist, there's numerous numerous sharp objects around the house, including a scalpel 
uh, again, linking linking this in the autopsy just a little, uh, and she gets very frustrated and overcome and eventually just stabs him in the forehead with a scalpel. Uh, and it goes right through the bone. She, she puts some force behind that. Um, and uh, what I actually really liked here is like, uh, th- this was the exact perfect response to getting stabbed in the forehead with a scalpel and having it stick in there, which was, oh, geez, Stacey. Oh, that really hurts. Because <laughs> um, it, it didn't knock him out. It didn't even kill him, of course. It's like a, it's like a half to three quarter inch blade on a scalpel. Not mass not a massively deep wound. Um, but then he does the thing that everyone without specific medical training does when they get stabbed, which is they sit down and go, Ah, should I pull it out? I'm gonna pull it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then he pulls out and suddenly uh a quite survival injury becomes very quickly probably fatal as just a river of blood yeah, pours the, down the, his face. The, the thing stopping all the blood uh, coming out, you just took it out. Yeah, yeah. But you know, he's probably a little knocked around. It, it'd be a, it's a it's a first instinct to sort of like, oh, this thing really hurts. I should see if I can get <laughs> get it out. Uh, and of course, you've just taken a blow to the head as well. You're probably not yeah. thinking entirely straight. So you're like, yeah, I'll just and then just everything turns around. You're like, ah, crap. Okay, this is bad. Hey, honey, can you get me a towel? <laughs> he just he plays up like this lovable everyman goofball very well. Um, they're just a little shocked and stunned. And uh, instead of getting him a towel, she gets that fire axe she grabbed at the start of the episode when she thought there was someone in the house uh, and hits him in the back with it a few times until he stops moving. Um, uh, sort of, you know, uh, freeing herself from that dissenting voice of, hey, this stuff is crazy. You're perfect the way you are. Please don't do this. Uh, and now free of that, she heads up to the bathroom to sort of wash the blood off her hands and sees the feminine pile of goo is now standing in the bathtub, uh, and then it collapses into a beautiful vat full of aloe glow. Your favorite. Everyone loves aloe glow. Um, and so she, uh, fully submerges herself in it. Uh, like fully, fully, like full head under, uh, no air, nothing. Uh, and emerges head covered head to toe in goo, um, with maybe the the only part of Cavendish uh, curiosity so far. I'm like, I could have used the tiny little tweak. Um, it is it is the actress. She is slimed head to toe, and she's like doing a little dance through the upper hallway of the house as she feels like energized and revitalized. Like I'm going to be a whole new person. Uh, and there is just a, a spot where there is a very clearly she's like wearing an underwear thing, but the goo has sort of weighed it down and dragged it down, so it's very obviously visible. Um, but you know, it's sort of hard to fix. <laughs> be, yeah, be they're like we we have one one take in this. <laughs> yeah, you got one take with all that goo, and it's hard to get an under thing that would stay like, relatively skin-tight and not just start sliding down with all that goo on it. So, understandable. Uh, and then she peels it off, along with all of her old skin. It's terrific. And uh, she's made anew. No more lazy eye. Slightly smaller nose, slightly less of a chin. The teeth have all been straightened and sorted out. Uh, her hair is still 
raggedy, but it's looking much sheenier. Uh, so she chops it into a really short cut. Uh, looks great, honestly. And uh, she dolls herself up and in she goes to work. Um, after, of course, very importantly, dragging her husband's body down to the basement and taxidermying him so that he's perfect now. He's been fixed. He doesn't talk back. Um, he's got this little bit of makeup disguising the scalpel wound on his head, and yeah, she literally taxidermies him and uh, sets him up on the couch with a beer and I, I think a, a bag of pretzels or something. Um, <laughs> says, okay, honey, I'm off to work. Gives him a little kiss, and then off she goes. He just he just sits there completely mobile because he's fucking dead. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's immobile. He's just he's just dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she goes off to work, and she is the the bombshell uh, that that drops on this little social circle uh, because she looks incredible, and everyone's like, "Oh, wow, what do you do?" Yada yada yada. And she gets that inclusion she's always wanted, but as the the sound sort of begins to fade, and the camera draws up close on her face, it's obvious that while she's laughing, she's still incredibly distressed. And of course, of course, the end message is conforming to the social norms is not what will make you happy. Like uh, the this thing that's been forced on you, of course, it's not going to make you happy. It's not what's good for you, and uh, you're only going to realize that once you've thrown away what was actually good for you. In this case, you know, very loving and supportive relationship and a hobby that you loved and were good at, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a really really tragic ending like at least in the autopsy you know Carl Winters wins um he he dies in the process but he he exerts some sort of victory in this it's the it, it is literally a total tragedy uh it's just played very comedic and upbeat in several spots throughout because they got that quirky 80s tone sort of running through it and everything and it's all very super bright and colorful and superficial like uh, we can we again we can go into cinematography and stuff like um all all the scenes where she's trying to fit in socially are super brightly lit and very over the top colorful and then her house throughout most of it is quite dark uh, a lot of browns a lot of grays and greens um but once she is completely consumed by the aloe glow bathtub the lighting suddenly kicks up uh they 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 turn that brightness all the way up and you get to see like the bright orange of the floor of the carpet on the floor and the richer tones, the wood walls and all the extra color that was always there. Um, but obviously she was feeling really down and depressed. So probably didn't take as much of a note of it and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's got layers. It's really, really well done. Um, I just wish it wasn't so personally distressing for me. <laughs> Which is how you know it's well I mean, done, that, to be fair. That's how you know it was effective horror. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it's based on a webcomic, which, how was that? Yeah, so, uh, it's, the the idea is the same, the sentiment the mm. same? Yeah. It's, like, it's not very long, and it doesn't mm. contain, like, any of the extra details it just has the general commentary i think because it's a little bit more obtuse yes so 
Hmm. The um. Emily. I don't. Stacy. Stacy, probably. Yeah. Um. It, it says her name like one time, like in the end of the comic. Mm. Uh. So she in this is uh she has this the social life. It's not even her friends. She is mm. a um. In the 80s and 90s, and I, I think maybe they still do, um, mm. the the closest thing I think of, can think of is um, the Mary Kay. And then they did, like, mm. there's some other cosmetics parties I remember, um, like, my mom going to and stuff. They Someone would buy into the franchise or become as just a salesperson where you'd go and you'd mm. host a party and um just to give like samples like in home infomercial basically mm. yeah so she goes she's an aloe glow sales representative uh yeah but she just hawks the product like that's it she just tries yeah. to get people to buy it mm. um and then she's not a uh she doesn't use it because she's allergic to it and she's like, mm. I can do just, I can, I can withstand enough to put like a little on my hand for a demo. Mm. Yeah. Um, but if I put any more than that, it's like, it starts irritating me and like blistering me and stuff. Mm. So she doesn't use the product, but she like, she's like, I know it works because everyone's happy is the mm. thing. Like, not that it actually works, but that the people are buying into the image of it. Like the, yes. it's expensive or whatever. They just want that thing. Mm. And it seems to make people happy, and, but it's not making her happy because it hurts her. Yes. Uh, and her, she has, she's having trouble sleeping. She's, she's not happy with her body. Mm. Um, it doesn't go into her, any hobbies or anything else. It's just, she's, She's selling stuff, and then she's at home. Uh, mm. And then she's, like, looking in the mirror in the bathroom and just, like, going over her body, and you can tell she's just not accepting of it. She's upset with yes. it. Um, and she's uncomfortable in her own skin. Uh, and there's a little... Um, I think I pulled it up. Uh, yeah, there's a little... So... Here's it's a couple panels, but um, it just says, um, "I'm lucky. I've never broken a bone. Um, no mm. one's ever done an X-ray or an ultrasound. Uh, but I wonder if it's what if inside it's somehow the wrong stuff. What if my meat mm. is some other animal's meat, and the human part of me is just the skin, Ooh. like the smooth layer of dough you drape over an uncooked pie?" Um, and That's some great imagery. <laughs> yeah, and. So she's not happy, uh, no. and she she's she's sleep or there she's sleeping with her husband, and mm. there's noises downstairs, and so she's like, "Can you go check that out?" And he's like, "No, I'm tired or whatever. You heard it. You go check it out." Which is like that's kind of shitty, but okay, man. Uh, <laughs> so she goes downstairs to see what it is, and her sample bottle. Uh, the aloe glow has like broken open and poured yep. out into a person and it's just like in the kitchen yep just hanging out just hanging out 
with gla- like bits of glass sticking out of it, and it's just goopy. Um, and then it like mm-hmm. climbs into the ceiling mm-hmm. and is dripping everywhere. And then she's just like, uh, I'm going to go back to bed. Because <laughs> she's like, uh, maybe that's a nightmare. I don't know. Um, and then she's talking to her like her her husband does a night job. He's the way it works somewhere. And so mm-hmm. she has her best friend come over and just to keep her company. And her friend's like, have you been sleeping? She's like, no, I haven't been sleeping. I'm having these terrible nightmares about like not being comfortable in my skin. I think it's some other thing she's specifically saying, but that's what it is. Mm. Uh, yeah. And then her friend, it's so weird. The advice um, that she's giving her is like, it's not even, I think it's just like how to, she just can't sleep. And um, yeah. Uh, so well, here's Stacy. She's like, um, "What if someone?" She's talking to her friend. What if someone's having dreams? But it's not that the dreams they're having feel so vivid that they think they're real life, but that mm. real life feels so cloudy that they think they're in a dream when mm. they're not. Because I imagine yeah. it feels like they're covered in those layers, these invisible layers that muffled the world around them. I don't. It doesn't block things out entirely; just muddies it, smears it. Um, but if it mutes it so the senses so much, um, how can you trust that it does make it? Uh, what does make it through? It's uh, it's so easy for your body to lie to you. So it's just her. Mm. It's not even her being uncomfortable with herself. She's uncomfortable with like society and her life. Yeah, and everybody that, else, um, like everything. She's like, yeah. Is it all weird, or am I the weird one? You know where where there's a disconnect. Like, what yeah. is the problem? That that sounds almost exactly like my deepest parts of a general depressive disorder (laughs) like the the everything's cloudy and it's hard to know if anything's actually ever good or if you're feeling things correctly and things like that that's yeah that's really good (laughs) yeah you know the monster um depression (laughs) yeah uh not not making light of it at all um no, no, it's understandable. Well, like that, yeah, I get yeah. that. That kind of it's a sensation to where you're trying to f- figure out like where mm. the problem lies because yeah, it's really hard wrong. sometimes to tell yeah. if it's external or internal. Like, is it yeah, is it the situation? Mm. Is it other people? Yeah. Is it myself? Like, where mm. it, there's a disconnect, you know, you can yes. tell that, yeah. but you yeah. you can't identify easily, like where it's coming from or how to fix it. Because if you don't know what exactly the thing that is wrong, then you mm. can't like address it as easily. Yes. Just, you you have to yeah. like the approach you take to try to. F- to take care of that, it has to be like very widespread. You have to kind of address a bunch of things and hope that something sticks. Mm. And that's not easy to do because that's not a super prescriptive like fix. No, no. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 this is, it's relatable. And I think that that's why they picked, um, yeah, it says difficult this, to do. part of the reason why they picked <laughs> this comic to adapt because, uh, this is a, an understandable 
uh, horrific sense because it's the 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 show is leaning really hard on the social and consumer aspect of it. Like that's that's what it's using to convey like this uh, unease. The nature, like how much the web comic is, it feels more personal. Yeah, uh, the the TV show, it's it's doing it's doing the same stuff. It has the same through line. Um, it's mm. they're all about the superficial outer shells that we wear um mm. and in the comic uh that's it's just it's driving that home a little bit more because she's specifically mm. calling out uh how she she's wondering if her inside is the same as everyone else's inside because mm. outwardly yes but she likens her like outward appearance and just her just the, the the thing that she's like reflecting out at society as um like the veneer of a pie crust yeah just yeah. like you could you could you could pretty it all up and then still not know what was inside mm. um but then it's it's showing that insecurity and it's it's kind of doing some visual metaphors with that um when she uh she's helping a a, a it's a friend or a passerby um, who's like, mm. oh, my skin is dry. And she's like, oh, I have a, a sample of the aloe glow. Um, yeah. and, she, and she gives it to the other lady. And the lady's like, oh, this is much better. I feel um, moisturized and revitalized. Mm. And then as she's saying that, like the art, the, her, her, she's morphing into like this sort of frightening, blobby creature. Um, but mm. still like saying, oh, oh, you should... Um, you should really be using the. Don't you have more of this? You've got to use some too. Um, and then, then you can, you know, feel effervescent or whatever. I don't know. She's yeah doing <laughs> buzzwords. Um, mm. and the comic uh, wraps up with her like looking really critically um, at herself in the mirror, and she's like plucking her. Um, like her eyebrows and then like flossing mm. her teeth, but it's just like, it's close. It's like extreme close-ups um, of her just doing it like a daily care, daily care routine. Um, and then she starts using the aloe glow, even though mm. it's, she's allergic to it. Um, yeah. And then just, it's, she's like smiling and it's, it's the most like, she's not happy, but mm. she's, she's darn well going to put on, put on that face and go face like the world um, mm. and just buy into it. Yeah. And, and that's not a fulfilling, like that no, doesn't no. Um, sate the pie filling or whatever. No. I don't know where the metaphor gets <laughs> goes at that point, but, um, <laughs> but her, her outer pie crust shell is now the same as everyone else's. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, it's a really good I like that the they when they did this adaptation it's not a one to one it that they did that mm. with um the autopsy like really really well um yes but yeah. the 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 sense of the visual 
language um mm. is something that can easily like like you could it gives you something to transfer the yeah. webcomic for this one um is because it's done the art is it's on point it all looks really good but it's it's mm. just there's a lot of room to try to read into it mm. where i think that when they when they did the screenplay um they were they fleshed out things they added um more background to the characters they gave her husband more like they they did a little bit more because this isn't like the like i said the web comic you can't fit into like 30 minutes no um but so having the two different versions of it it, it does benefit i think to go back and read the source material or read the web comic in this case um be, because the approach is a little different yeah it's doing this it's talking about the same themes but i think that it's it's a little more visceral um in the webcom yeah but, yeah but yeah that's um that's episodes uh four no uh three and four three and four <laughs> of curiosities uh yeah these are a lot of fun i'm i'm really enjoying going back through these i'm I'm gonna have to rewatch, or actually walk, sit down and watch uh, three and four now, um, because I, I really enjoyed the the sort of mm. material for these. Um, yeah, no, they they yeah. are beautifully shot, good effects, and yeah, just really fun, if a little depressing. <laughs> yeah, and that's just the, the that particular line, that through line of the horror, particular in in. The second one, um, mm. less so than the first, the autopsy is, yeah, it has its kind of moments of uh, a bad end, mm. but yeah. it's that it's that ending where Dr. Winter's like, he's victorious. Yeah. At, yeah, least, at least, at least in his mind, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, we don't know how it all falls out, but I mean, he lined it up pretty well. It's up to the, yeah, it's up to the sheriff to kind of like finish put it the, off with the eight ball in the pocket. But, um, yeah. It's set up real well, uh, yes. and and then with um what the out, out the outside what is the uh, mm, the outside yeah yeah with the outside it's um that's a little more raw and I mm. think that the the depression angle on there and the themes that it's dealing with are something that there's more to discuss. There's not a particular monster per se. We have like I think the idea of one. Mm. Um, and a potential like it's a hallucination or even it, it's like the stuff it's like they this yeah. company or whatever found some goop from a meteorite <laughs> yeah. if you want to tie yeah. it into the other one i mean we don't we don't get that kind of information unfortunately no but um it, it, it sits comfortably with like they live mm. yeah you know it's it's in that sort of feeling yeah, yeah. or um videodrome Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're yeah, they're enjoying. Yeah, I think uh, time for some admin, and we'll 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 send everyone on home. Yeah. Uh, so this episode brought to you by Monster Dear Monster. Um, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Monster. Uh, oh God. <laughs> Mon, Mon underscore Mon D underscore D Monster. D Monster. There we go. Yeah. God, took my brain. It it flips. 
at, at mon underscore dmonster on Twitter or monster deer dot monster in your browser of choice. Uh, you can find ways to contact us for feedback or suggestions for future episodes there. And please do. We love to hear from listeners. Uh, you can find myself on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, come for photos of my cat or posts about uh, how work is annoying. I mean, that's that's pretty normal, honestly. Um, <laughs> Dave, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at sentient underscore plus. Um, that's, that's where I live uh, these mm. days. Less and less a little bit, I think. But um, yeah, I'm always there if you want to chat. Uh, Leonard is also primarily on Twitter. Um, but you can also mm. find his, his YouTube channel. Um, so anywhere is Dr. Faust is dead. Uh, and then his Umbernox productions. Uh, mm. Links are all in the notes um, as, as always. Um, Matthew, you can find on Twitter um, at uh, mm-hmm. the Ugly Machine, and um, I take a gander. His Twitter's it's fun dog at work uh, photos or cool um, metal work stuff that he does. So. Mm. Not, not any things. Yeah. It's always I'm always impressed and just like yeah, that looks real expensive. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Um, but yeah, that was us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed and thank you for listening. Good night, everyone. Good night, folks. Bye bye. Monster Dear Monster is brought to you by Fireheart Media. If you enjoyed the show, please share this and all of our episodes with friends. And remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. Word of mouth is the only way we grow. If you like, you can also kick us a few bucks to help us keep the lights on at ko-fi.com slash fireheartmedia. Check out our other show, Jalachan's Place, at www.jalachan.place.